Cradeline Network. I am the Lord, and this is the 16th episode of Big Mac One, the podcast where we patrol our way through the Judge Dredd magazine, but that's not all. Because now this is the show where we discuss Judge Dredd branded specials, annuals, and yearbooks. And to that end, we're talking about the 1992 Judge Dredd Mega Special. This is the fifth Dredd Special, and in a terrifying move, the prices stayed the same this year at a pound seventy-five. And speaking of staying the same, I'm stoked to welcome back <laughs> friend of the show, Zane Kibbeler. Welcome, welcome, Zane. I'm here again. All right, welcome back. Yeah, so this this return, rare double bill, double uh, 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 double header here. Yeah, <laughs> is because when I when I when you came when you were gonna come on for the ninety one special, I sent you the ninety two special by accident. <laughs> um, and yeah. so, listen, like you already got the books. We're all you already read them. Like, there's no reason to. I have to do it. Yeah, it's in your like. If there's one thing I know when you read comics is that it's also good to then talk about them to get them out of your brain. So, <laughs> duh, so I was just like, all right, let's just do these two. It'll be great. You know, whatever. <laughs> we can see how the specials have changed over a year or something. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. So, um, the, yeah. So, yeah. So, 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 we'll see how it goes. Uh, we got two extended stories from relative unknowns this year, as well as extra episodes for some better known stories that that took place in the magazine over the course of ninety one to ninety two. If you want to read, read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, the, the Restricted Files, number three. So I should say, as we get going here, um, we've just finished issue 20 of the magazine, and thus we finished the first volume of the Judge Dredd magazine. So I see this right. special as kind of a dividing line between the two volumes. Basically, there's volume one, which was monthly and went for 20 issues. And after that, we're going to have volume two, which is going to be fortnightly. So every two weeks. And that's going to go for about 80 issues or so. 80 to 90, I believe. Oh, okay. And it means that thus Big Meg One will now become a month, a weekly podcast, probably until about 2022, by my reckoning, which... <laughs> It's going to be moderate, going to be bad for my bandwidth cost. You know, I think it should be exciting in terms of uh, bad for bandwidth co- cost and for people who are behind on the podcast who want to catch up. But God, I just caught up myself. I'm looking forward to more, man. Yeah. If you're in a position where you're like, yes, I would like, you know, three to four hours of, of free 2080 related content of a week. You definitely get it here on here in the Cradleide Network. So it's going to be exciting. <clears throat> So the special starts with a double-sized um, cover showing Dredd jumping off his bike to take out some Juve gang members with the uh, the Bobsy twins written on their backs, drawn by Sean Phillips. And the inside covers a version of the standard magazine credits page it's saying that this special has no reprints and a loose theme of urban crime. But, like, that's sort of just Judge Dredd in general, I think. <laughs> like, it's not... Sounds about right. <laughs> like it'd be like, oh yes, we're focusing on crime in this year's Judge Dredd special. Like, well, Judge Dredd always focuses on crime, pretty much. Yeah, no more galactic stuff. None. <laughs> oh man, the uh, 
Well, I guess in the magazine, we're about to get more shaky cane, which is still going to be, you know, maybe not about space, but about, <laughs> but still very weird. So, you know, it's an exciting time generally. I'm on board. Yeah, it'll be okay. And uh, speaking of, of uh, things going along okay, I guess, <laughs> or, you know, it's, sorry, <laughs> speaking of rising tensions, let's talk about Thrill One, Juves in the Hood. Uh, script robot John Wagner, art robot Richard Preston and Edmund Kitsuni, lettering robot Gordon Robson. And this is the only time that either of these artists have been published in 2080 in the magazine. They've got this kind of loose cartoonish style that I think looks okay, though I don't know if it fits in well with with Judge Dredd, I guess, or and definitely not where Dredd's going, like what the future of the Judge Dredd artwork looks like, I suppose. Um, Very watercolor is what it looks like to me. I agree. Yeah, it's got kind of a painted look, but a different painted look than some other dread stuff. Or uh, I guess 2000, then like the oils that we see in like uh, Simon Bisley or something like that. Mm-hmm. It could be marker, actually. When I look at uh, Judge Dredd's pants, it does kind of look like a bit of a marker or something hmm. like that. Almost. Kind of like an artist's marker. Yeah. I don't know. Man, I wish I, I don't have enough uh, reference for this. You I, I know. <laughs> I'm sure, like, uh, I'll, 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 I'll consult with him maybe and, and cut it in or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's sort of, it is definitely all this times where it's very like the fact that I've got a, an extremely limited um, um, artist vocabulary myself makes things difficult. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It looks like something, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> You know, get in trouble for it. Where I try to, you know, like who? Who do you think does that? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'll I'll make something up, and then you're like, no, that's not what it is. It's like I don't know, man. They could they could they could go to a mine and just pull the artwork out of the rocks for all I know, you know. Um, but <laughs> it's okay. One day in Mega City One, Zitz Biloxi of the Morans gang mugs a dude, and that guy falls into the street and thus technically into the territory of the Problem Juves. Observed by Problem Juve members uh, Jimmy Squint, H, and J. This leads to a rumble that is then, of course, broken up by Judge Dredd, who, you know, kicks all their asses and takes, um, and and then uh, and we seem just taken out one of the like the problem juves in this big full page image of just like dread beating them all up and the juves flying in various directions and stuff, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he's, he's out of all those shots, he's got a slight grin as he kicks that guy right in the crotch. There. Yeah, he's having a good time. Definitely some good <laughs> good sound effects here. We got some dumps and thumps, crumps, thwacks, etc. Good times. Um, th- it seems that these two gangs are from the B.F. Skinner and Rick Moranis block. You know, Rick Moranis, of course, actor from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. B.F. Skinner, uh, like behavioral scientist guy. Like a lot of stuff about like pressing a like a like a training people with with learned conditioning and stuff like that. So I feel like he'd be talking about a problem child, which would thus be a problem juve, I guess. Just to get the name of these guys. And then the Morans, of course. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Moran, but Moranis. You see what I'm saying here? Relations are clicking now. I see it. 
Though it reminds me of the famous um, early er, early two thousands protest sign where someone had a sign that said "Get a brain, morans" or whatever with moron misspelled. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, so yeah, there's a longstanding rivalry be- between the two blocks, which just makes me chuckle because B.F. Skinner and Rick Moranis not generally associated with each other. So it's just sort of a random mega city one geography thing here. Um, mm-hmm. And as the way of these things, stuff starts to escalate as more and more attacks. Uh, a tagger is fed part of a wall. Juves are dragged by cars and set on fire, tossed off roofs. Th- things are getting out of control. And Dredd knows something has to be done about all this. He just sort of stares at a smoking corpse. <laughs> but yeah, Nice shot of that one. Definitely. Yeah, I like just this image of like, yeah, this fly, this uh, guy being set on fire and tossed from a roof and Dred's arresting one set of juves and just looks at a charred corpse. The other is like, we got to do something. Yeah, I love the up close artwork on this one. And I like the, the mechanical stuff they do. Mm-hmm. Once you once they back away and you kind of look at uh, the bigger picture, it, it starts it, they lose all that detail. and It's not as uh, enjoyable. But yeah, it's still. Still good though. I like a lot of motion, a lot of facial expressions, a lot of good hand gestures, stuff like that. It looks yeah, def- yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I think there's a lot of real good design work on these two Juve gangs. Like the the problem Juves wear like black leather and have a lot of uh, like sort of open cybernetics and stuff like that. Whereas the problem Juves have sort of this red and blue look with like multicolor like tubes coming out of their heads. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that just sort of, it gives them a, like, div, like very differentiated looks that are so consistent within themselves, I guess. Um, also, I should say not a lot of backgrounds in this, uh, or like there's an oh, occasional definitely. background, like, like every like other panel or so will have a background, but there's also just a lot of people in sort of floating in white panels as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of white panels, though. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, hey, sometimes it's just black and white and that's how it goes. So let's, yeah, we'll, we'll pick this story up later. Instead, let's continue on to Thrill to Anderson Side Division. Script robot Alan Grant and Tony Luke. Art robot Russell Fox. Letting robot Ellie DeVille. Russell Fox recently appeared in the magazine um, doing another Anderson story. That's the one where the kid, where this kid, re- like, they found out that this kid was a psych, was a psychic and had created all of these, all this stuff from his imagination. But then it turned out he was made by his own imagination or something. It was complicated. Um, and then he'll <laughs> be. Great. In the yearbook this year too, like he he winked out of existence, and it was literally one of these ones where the ju- where the judges are left shaking their heads, and it like it's a race to sort of to sort of shout not it for who has to do the paperwork essentially, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But this story is called called Baby Talk, which is a little light for a very serious problem <laughs> for a very yeah. downer story. Uh huh. Um, we see a couple criminals uh, bagging drugs and doing various illegal things. When there's a knock at the door, it's Judge Anderson. She's shooting down these criminals, uh, threatening to give them second butts and whatever. We got some good uh, uh, banter, I suppose. Um <laughs> When suddenly, as she's fighting, she gets a sigh flash, an unborn baby screaming, pain, help, killing me, in this really, um, like, I don't know, strange, like, like writing of just intense pain or something like that. 
Mm-hmm. It, it knocks Anderson out, which allows the third drug dealer to escape along with the drugs. Luckily, though, he did leave behind some paperwork detailing market research on a new drug named Adam, which is, you know, listen, these drug dealers got to be careful about admin, basically. Um, <laughs> sorry, a new drug called Adam Seed. That's A-T-O-M. Anderson takes this to another side judge, then gets down to her underwear to commune with the cosmos, as you do. Mm-hmm. Got kind of a kind of a side division tank top and stuff. Um, she astral projects and searches for the psychic disturbance she felt earlier, finding a massive aura of pain around a skeletal space child begging, uh, begging not to die. Anderson takes its hand and communes, and she finds that it's an unborn baby with massive psychic powers, and it spills the beans to Anderson. Meanwhile, <laughs> which is, listen, this is a rough section for the record. Yeah, yeah, it was not the most enjoyable stuff to, to like look they at. Get, seem to get joined by some sort of psychic umbilical cord for a second. I don't know. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, meanwhile, at the Alu Acne Warehouse, the dealer from before is being debriefed by a boss with a serious uh, skin condition. And he's also got one of those fancy uh, long cigarette holders. Very classy. He grills the dealer on the missing pages of the Adam Seed research. He's got two tons waiting to hit the street and wants the product rollout to be perfect like so many marketers do. Um, mm-hmm. So he has his robot goons kill this dealer. Which is, again, as we all know, of course, establishes him as a bad guy because bad guys always kill their own guys. That's how you, you know, that's how you know who's bad. And the <laughs> bad slash badass is, is own guy killing, of course. I see that now. Ever since you mentioned it uh, before, I yeah. see it and I'm like, that's how you know he's bad. I, I love, remember I pointing being, that out now. <laughs> there's – this is a, a little tangent but there's a um, – there's a sketch from the uh, – from the from the group uh, Kids in the Hall, like this um, TV show from like the 90s from, uh, from Canada and they do sketch comedy. And one of them was this guy who gets caught up in – by these bank robbers who take him hostage and stuff like that. And whenever the lead bank robber guy makes a threat he says hey you better do what i say or this is gonna happen to you and he shoots one of his own guys um and so (laughs) the the sketch ends because he does that to his last guy who's driving the getaway car and the getaway car crashes (laughs) he just he killed all he killed his own guy killed all of his own guys um what a badass (laughs) yes that guy is so evil oh my god um but yeah so anyway back at side division anderson now knows the name of this psychic uh death baby and is um you or the the name of of the of the kid's mom i guess and is looking up her address uh verona waters a so-called reform drug dealer this whole thing is pretty (laughs) yikes anderson dresses up and hops on her bike i'm coming kid and we're actually so now we're we're on with two to be continued stories through the course of this special. There's so much going on. Oh my yeah, gosh! They didn't have me in the first one. They have to have they have you in the second one. Yeah, like listen, we got yeah, we, exactly, exactly. You're not putting this book down. <laughs> yeah, it's like Bob Ross. He's got two. He's got two fan brushes going. You know, he's got one for trees. He's got one for grass. It's good times. We gotta keep it moving. <laughs> And that, in turn, let's just, you know, listen, we got so much action. We got so many plates spinning. We got to cool down for a second with Mm -hmm. Thrill 3, 
The Judge Dredd, the magazine. Ooh, talking about nostalgia. I've got a text piece, naturally. Uh, we got a, f- first we do have a sweet pinup of an electric, du- uh, of an electric guy. I think this one's from the I Singed the Body Electric Story by Dean Ornstrom. Some guy getting electrocuted and stuff, pretty solid. Um, and yeah, we bet, then we get into, um, just some background on the magazine. There's some talk about the scrapped Dread Fort Nightly from back in the early 80s, which despite being, despite never making it to print, still did give us some classic thrills like Bad Company and Hell Trekkers. Oh man, Hell Trekkers, that takes me back. But then it gets into an extended recap of the first 20 issues of the magazine. And let me tell you something, Zane. Yeah. You could read this, or you could listen to the first nine or so episodes of a podcast I like to call Big Meg One. All right? I know what <laughs> I, I pick. I just listen to the podcast. I don't – reading is for primitives at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, I got to use my eyes for other stuff, you know? Yeah. I've got to stay on Shift the prowl. from panel to panel. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I, I, gotta, I, 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 I could keep my ears engaged with magazine history. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So let's continue on speak. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, can't be buried in a book with predators around. Yeah. yeah, it could be a saber-toothed tiger attacking me at any moment. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, and speaking of predators, let's go, I don't know, to three or four Jews in the hood. Predators of the urban jungle, Zane. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, it works. Who says it doesn't work? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> So same same team creative team here. A gang war is brewing and dread and to try to stop it before it starts. Dread has been assigned an older reserve judge and a rookie judge, judges Heck and Portillo respectively, and they're just a buddy cop waiting to happen. Like oh, I got partnered by an old judge and a rookie lady judge. Oh, geez. Um, and Dred's like, all right, I guess I'll have to make do with what I've got. You know, the Justice <laughs> Department, very much not into uh, into preventative cr- uh, crime. They'll just deal with the problems when it actually flares up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so because of that, um, Dred has the other – has a heck and Portillo take the, the Moranis block as he heads to Skinner. The job is just to kind of br- br- uh, crack some heads and make your presence felt. At the anti-grav dance bar, Dredd finds a bunch of Juves claiming that they – we just want to increase the peace, Dredd. Like this this whole thing feels – I don't know. It feels so – like actually both of these continued thrill feel extremely 1992 to me, I guess. Like because it's called the Juves in the Hood, it's got a very mm-hmm. like after-school special about like, I don't know, gang violence or something like that kind of feel to it. Or, or making fun of that maybe might be a better – a better way to say it. No, I couldn't put my thumb on it before, but now that you say like 1990s after school special kind of thing, I'm like, yeah, yeah that's, like that there, definitely pins it a little better than I was thinking. Yeah, like there was, it was just an air. I, I feel like, especially in America, it was this era where like suddenly every TV show had to have an episode where like someone has to, where like, especially a TV show kind of aimed at kids, there'd be at least one where someone has to deal with like, there's a, you know, the Crips and the Bloods or something, or like, oh, someone. One's doing yeah. crack, oh no, or that, that 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 kind of thing, which I guess is the other is the Anderson story. But both of those, it makes both of these actually feel extremely 1992 in a way that I feel like a lot of times Dread doesn't. I guess mm-hmm. of just like this is sort of 
based on what I was on what popular entertainment. I mean, maybe it was like this earlier and I just wasn't aware of it. But like now we're now we're in the 90s, which I was around, which I was I was aware of. And I'm like, oh, I I've, I, I know these tropes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, Dredd also notices a couple kids coming back with one of the Morans. It's Blind Iggy. Oh, he's got various weapons sticking out of his back. There's like a, a dagger, a couple arrows, a Swiss army knife, which is the, that's just an insulting way to kill somebody. <laughs> Get hit by the, <laughs> by the big blade of a Swiss army knife. No one should have to deal with that, you know. Mm-hmm. They even uh, undid all the parts on it too, so you know it's a Swiss army. Oh yeah, yeah, they popped out the scissors. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, premeditated that's how you know <laughs> yeah it makes a statement um <laughs> and so arrests are made as words of iggy's death spreads back to rick moranis and everybody loved blind iggy because he was blind and his parents were he like he like lent everybody a lot of money basically and they're like his oh no body <laughs> mod that makes him blind is the best <laughs> He's just got a metal handle coming out of his face where his eyes used to be. It's good. It's so good. Like, you know, he's living a life, you know? <laughs> All these guys have cr- crazy body, have, have just these, these these crazy things that just make no sense. Like the guy that's just got a pair of pipes come out of his head like handles or Mickey Mouse ears, you know? Mm-hmm. But anyway, this means war. And the Juve's come rolling out, preparing to fight right into the waiting arms of Heck and Portillo, who open fire. But it's just there. It's not enough to stem the tide. Although we do actually, in the course of this, we do see a kid getting the side of his face blown off. That's actually very similar to what would be in the in the tw- in the twenty in the uh, 2012 Dread movie, where that guy gets gets slow mo shot in the face. You know, I'm just saying. Um, yeah. Good it times. Looks good. Yeah, definitely very, very shocking, shockingly graphic level of violence with the silly. Le- like it's funny to go like in a in two panels from a from a Swiss Army knife sticking out of somebody's back to like here's a bunch of cheek and teeth being blown out. You know, um, this chapter was definitely where the art picked up a lot better. Like yeah, part. there's definitely more backgrounds and a lot more like uh, characterful stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. That chainsaw shot. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. that one. Definitely. <laughs> so it's been about eight hours since the story started, and now the blood's flying in earnest. Dread has no resort except to try to supercharge the chain link fence between the two blocks. And we will conclude this story later in the special. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Exciting. You know, I don't know. I like, it's okay. I like the whole. I, I like the ending of this one, too. Yeah, it's very like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, of course, anything to keep them apart. Got to stop them <laughs> crossing the wire as he sees this uh, supercharged button. <laughs> the thing. <laughs> also very good, just casual shoot somebody in the chest by dread <clears throat> in this final page. Where he's just like, hey, what's that? Bang. As he's <laughs> yeah, while he's looking away. Checking the yeah. stuff. Love, love some good casual violence, you know. He's very used to that. Um, yeah. There, there were some parts of this in the beginning uh, part in the second page where Dred's interrogating the guy in his anti-grav boots. Um, he's just standing there like so statuesque. I'm like, why is he? I mean, that Dred should have some sort of motion to his interrogation i feel like yeah he's definitely like like actually almost slouched i think it's a weird it's a weird pose for dread who i imagine is always being so i don't know ramrod straight or something like that yeah small mouth like he's just kind of like oh 
That's a, something like looking off in the middle distance kind of shot. <laughs> Just, you know, you'd think it'd be used to interrogate any upside down by now, but I guess it's sort of still, still. Uh, maybe this is uh, like after the part, he's already roughed him up. So we're just, wait- <laughs> we're just finishing the interrogation. So just, I just guess that makes sense. punched him around on his hover boots. Like he's a, like, like he's a heavy bag at a, uh, at a boxing sure. gym. <laughs> that would have been cool to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Now, you know, now, now I'm bummed. We don't, we don't see that. Cause that, 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 that sounds fun. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can only wish you know and some of these guys here on the next page over before it starts getting into the violent stuff mm-hmm. have some really ugly faces on them here <laughs> in the yeah, bottom part i definitely feel like this like it's really intentional like they're really trying to make these kids feel like like rough and alien and mean and violent you know and sort of dehumanizes them a little bit just to kind mm-hmm. of make them um yeah just to kind of make them seem like 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 dread can't hope to reason with them basically like he's can like like violence is the only thing they understand and so he's got to give them that look i think yeah of just these these bored dumb mega citizens that just can know nothing but fads and violence basically (laughs) yeah it's all they got And speaking of a grim future, let's go even further into the future as we talk about Thrill 5 Red Razors. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Steve Yol, coloring robot Gina Hart, lettering robot Annie Parkhouse. So, Red Razors, this one's, um, I, I, what, um, I, 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 I think we've seen him a little bit in what's been published. Um, but just so you know, like this story is set way in the future from Judge Dredd. It's the year 2176 versus the year 2114 or so. And we're in East Meg 2, which is now called Sov Block 2, which has a, um, embraced Western culture and gets judge and gets judges from brainwashed former criminals some of whom ride talking horses and we're going to learn more about that in this story called the secret origin of comrade ed which is itself of course play on mr ed the old uh, tv show but anyway you know it's a whole I figured. thing <laughs> yeah exactly uh i wish i knew more russian so i could do a talk to mr ed but like a the Russian horses. Yeah, talk, talk ski to Comrade Ed. I don't know. That's probably racist. I'm sorry. Sorry to Russian <laughs> listeners. Um, if, if you exist, I apologize. Um, but so it starts with the, this story starts with narration about a woman named Katie thinking of ways to kill Judge Ed the horse. Um, dragging, uh, dragging him out, or sorry, she rides him into a uh, into a rainy forest someplace. At the same time, she's being shown Ed's horse, current horsey form by investigators. She thinks to herself, is she really that ugly? Yes, I guess. I don't know. Meanwhile, at the Faulty Towers Casino, Manuel... Uh, Manuel, the waiter, is informing on Razor's old informant, Huggy Bear, who's now holed up in an elevator after trying to rob the place. I should say Manuel also is a Faulty Towers reference. Got to be clear. Um, In case you're an American, you don't know about Faulty Towers. I feel like if you're in the British Isles, it's built into your DNA or something like that. You know, you've got these jokes and people have mentioned to me before. So whatever. That's how I know. Uh, So now over my head. I'm so defensive this this special. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> defensive <laughs> about being defensive now. Okay. Um 
So Huggy Bear, who went on the lamb um, after the end of the first Red Razor story and is very much dressed like the character from uh, Starsky and Hutch as a, uh, the TV show as opposed to the one in the movie that was played by Snoop Dogg. That's a different Huggy Bear. All right. All right. <laughs> but this guy's holed up in, an, in a broken elevator after trying to rob the place. Razors jumps down to the elevator where Huggy threatens him, saying he was the one who killed Judge Dredd because it's the it's like you know the future. So the Judge Dredd status at this point isn't actually known, but you know it's like sixty years from the present prog, so you got to think he had died of old age or something. I guess we'll find out later. I in the magazine. just would have assumed they'd keep cloning him. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the capacity to make new dreads is possible. And, you know, maybe it'd be better if you started with a fresh clone as opposed to just borrowing a clone from the Jutta, you know? Like, yeah. Like my, it's, you know, they, they broke my standard rule, which was you only brainwash them once. You know, if you try to get two brainwashes <laughs> on top of the other, you're just asking for trouble, you know? <laughs> can't even think of the ramifications behind being brainwashed twice. I can think of the ramifications. You get suborned by Judge Death and then Necropolis happens. You got to be careful, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's a thing. Um, luckily, anyway, um, Huggy Bear just talks tough, tough and soon raises and knocked him out. But while doing that, a lady walked up, shot a few judges, and ran off with Judge Ed. Oh, no. Razors gives chase. And in the forest, Katie puts a judge, or puts a gun, I should say, to Ed's head. And then, flashback! Yes. <laughs> to when Judge Ed was a human and a girl named Katie had a crush on him. But unlike most crushes, this one is backed up by the fact that Katie's dad is the chief judge of Texas City. And he'd kick the crap out of Ed if he didn't date his daughter and kick the crap out of him a fair, um, as well as a fair amount generally. Um... Soon, forced to date Katie. She was talking about having kids, and that was the last straw. Ed took the first shuttle out of Texas City, and after bumming around for a while, arrived at Sog Block 2, where he volunteered to have his brain transplanted and become a man horse. A horseman. A horse. A horseman. <laughs> That's right. He's like a centaur, but he's like um, 95% horse, 5% human. <laughs> You know, just the just the brain. Is he a centaur? Then I don't know. I think I think you're pushing their boundaries there. Kinda. I mean, I don't know. Look, centaurs have laws. There's there's rules to centaurs. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, classically, a centaur, one third human, two thirds horse. You're right. But this is a real small. It's a smallish piece. You know, it's just there's the brain in there. Are they mammals? Are they insects? Nobody knows. I think they're still mammals. Oh, they have, I mean... Even if they right. have six legs, <laughs> I feel like there's other stuff that changes you from an insect besides leg, leg amounts. Like, you gotta have, like, an exoskeleton, yeah, right. I guess. <laughs> Actually, I don't know, though. Hmm, okay, we gotta... We I'm gotta, just throwing some wrenches around. We gotta talk to a biologist after this and figure this out. <laughs> oh. Deal. <laughs> Shelved for now. Yeah, yeah, put a, put, put a pin in it like a butterfly. Oh, okay. We're... <laughs> We worked it out. It worked out. After years of searching, Katie at last found uh, uh, Ed, and now she's out for revenge as Razors drives a stolen cab to save his equine accomplice. 
Pretty happy with that one. In the forest, as the rain falls, Ed admits he does love Katie, wants to be with her. He was a fool to to run. She believes him for just long enough for razors to arrive and just hit her in the hit her with a taxi cab, just run her over, and then shoot her like a dozen times. And they're both like, "Woo, that was a tough, that was a close one." (laughs) So Katie's dead. Ed's like, "Ah, just some chick I used to go out with." And then they ride off into the rain. Good times with Red Razors. I don't know. Mm. I got to say, I do like um, I do like the it's a pretty stock moment, I guess. But when she says like when when Ed says that he loves her and she's like, oh, Ed, I don't know how you don't know how it feels to hear you say that. And then she just gets hit and he just smashed by a taxi cab. That's pretty solid. Like that's just a good juxtaposition of uh, mm-hmm. of events and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that was the best part of the whole thing. It's just yeah. getting to the end, <laughs> the last climax. There, I'm kind of like, especially because like like this. It, while this is a rare glimpse at Texas City, something we definitely don't see a lot of. The fact that it's by Miller and not Wagner makes me know that this is like some non canonical. Um, Texas City stuff like this doesn't you know as as much as it's a vision of the town it does it's not actually like real like there's there's no no one's gonna really stick to this stuff in the in the there's future no, there's no real bearing on this at all yeah so. plus it's the also it's the future and all this other thing so I don't know moderate moderate I say mm. and so we continue to thrill six strange cases. So, uh, script robot Nicholas Barber, art robot Nick Percival, letting robot Gordon Robson. It's so um, Nick Percival's had some recent art in um, in the in, in the modern magazine actually, and his art style has evolved massively in the last thirty years. Um, this I think is not it, it, it is interesting, but not great. Like it actually has a very shaky cane feel to it. I'd say, but. Mm. Um, in the end, but um, now he's got this really realistic style that is also very like like a stomach churningly realistic style because he does a lot of dark judge stuff and things like that that are very are really cool, but also like ooh, like, I don't know if I want to look at this too much because it's gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but but a lot better, <laughs> I'd say. Also, um, cool. So this story, strange cases. It's the magazine. Um, I always m- mention this, but this is a uh, a magazine anthology. Um, series like the magazine version of a future shock basically and i believe this is the final strange case that we'll see both here and in the magazine um the story is called where the heart is nick percival draws some big crazy judge parts in here this these shoulder pads on this judge nutmeg that we see are nuts big old shoulder pad big old chest eagle with like a beak that's like a stork or a pelican or something Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he does have the stars on the shoulder pad, which I appreciate. That's a classic um, um, dre- uh, uh, judge uniform. Not all generally not done, but you know, I don't know, livens things up a little bit. Anyway, <laughs> um, we see that there. Um, we meet a ten-year-old failed Justice Academy recruit as he's returned to his mother after not seeing after her not seeing him for five years. Kid's named is Winston Dempsey. He's returned to his grateful mother. But he's not the kid she knew before. 
he's not the same kid she knew before because, of course, you know, five years of being inducted into the Justice Department, that's going to change you. You aren't going to be like a happy-go-lucky kid anymore. You're going to be more like a weird justice robot, basically. No emotions. Had them pounded out. Mm-hmm. Um, he, that She brings him home and he definitely, yeah, uh, talks and acts like a robot. Um, we see him making food, which includes uh, Ormston Crunch, which is another uh, – Dean Ormston, another magazine um, artist, so kind of a reference here, um, walking around pointing out various uh, infractions in his mom's house and stuff like that. She wants him to act like a normal kid, but he can't. So in the end, she takes him back to Justice to, uh, to Justice Central where she demands they make her kid act normally. Um, after some warning, she signs a uh, waiver. The judges take Winston away. Soon he's back with a big old forehead scar and his emotions have been returned. <laughs> they gave him some laser surgery and I guess it's good times. I don't know. I guess you can just laser the judge out of people. <laughs> Such a... Give their emotions back? Or is that the opposite? Do you have to add emotions? <laughs> I feel like I got to start in, like, I feel like I want to start a new category. Like, we, I feel like I, I've got all these future shot categories in my head of, like, you know, the, the tiny aliens or it's actually a video game or something. And I feel like I want to do a special dread version of that where it's uh, the punchline is, bra- is uh, lobotomy. <laughs> You know, it happens. <laughs> it happens more often than you'd think, is what I want to say. <laughs> this this lobotomy, lobotomy punchline, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, mother and son walk off into the into the sunset. Um, finally, dumb enough to not have to worry to fit into Mega City One civilian life. I guess it's a weird story. <laughs> I can see why they would stop doing these uh, kind of Judge Dread future shocks a bit, because if they keep doing so many, eventually it may accidentally interfere with canon. A little, because you know, I mean, if I, they care about that. I don't think they care that much. Like, you know, I sort of talked about it with the Mark Miller story. But honestly, I think especially when it's stuff that's about citizens, uh, like it's all fine. You can kind of do whatever you want, I think. And... Uh, the this era of I, I feel like we're still in the early nineties in an era, especially for dread, where nerds just aren't haven't really twigged to point making to, to pointing out these inconsistencies and things. Sure. Like you might have it a little bit, but the discourse is mostly just around like that one, like the guy that's literally like the comic book guy in The Simpsons, like in that he also like owns a comic book shop and stuff. <laughs> like it's yeah. a, it's a very small <laughs> discourse. I uh-huh. feel because I feel like that sort of stuff and talking about canon and things like that only really picks up once the internet exists, basically, and like there becomes places for people to both slav- slavishly document all that kind of canonical stuff and then have arguments about them, basically. <laughs> so once you get like a Usenet, then you're ready to go. Then, then we're off the races with that stuff. But 92, you can just kind of do whatever. If it doesn't really directly contradict things, then you're pretty much okay, I think. Yeah, who's going to care too much, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to hear if folks are listening, and like, here's this criticism I do want or whatever, like, if you did, ha- like, if you did have an idea of what is, 
was and wasn't a standard thing or, or, or um, canonical parts of the of canonical versus non-canonical parts of Dread World in um, in the early 90s. But, you know, I just don't know. Plus, like, as always, when we talk about canon stuff with Judge Dredd, I can't help but mention that the Dread universe is also subject to thousands of butter of, of time travel based butterfly effects, you know, like. I've seen movies where you kill one dinosaur and it like changes all of history. And Dread takes place in the same world where the where the the Trans Time Corporation, the Flesh Colony, and in, in the in the Flesh Comics are killing thousands of dinosaurs every day. You know, so it's a that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there's just a lot of little changes going on, so it's hard for one thing to stay the same. You know, uh, the whole yeah. time. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like I'm going in depth because I'm kind of bummed out by our next story. I don't know if I want to talk about it, you know, whatever. But let's go to Thrill 7 Anderson's Side Division. So continuing on, um, we're at the Spock block, which I'm assuming is named for the famous, um, like, uh, Dr. Spock who wrote these books about, like, taking care of babies and stuff like that. As opposed to the Starfleet officer, I guess. Like, this is a baby story, so I'm assuming that um, that's what this is a reference to. There's also a Nick Krask block, which I don't think I found anything about. But anyway, um, we're reading – we're seeing some technical feedback about Adam Seed. I guess they're they're sort of uh, uh, crime-focused grouping it here. We learn that it's got a painful come down as this lady that Anderson is after complains to some robot goons that she needs more of it. Now they've got her addicted. I'm addicted, damn you, I need more. Like, I don't know if this is the, how people talk, but anyway. Um, <laughs> the goons drag her into an elevator to see Mr. Acne as Anderson arrives on her floor to investigate. Finding the apartment empty, she does some psychometry to scan for her and finds out about the evil Mr. Acne. And speaking of which, he's gathered all the addict that he's, addicts that he's roped in with Adam Seed and says, now that the drug has been tested, it's time to kill all these guinea pigs. Oh, no. <laughs> Outside Acne's warehouse, Anderson's gathered a few other judges and they begin to infiltrate the place. But after using silencers to take out a few guards, Anderson decides to throw subtlety aside and blows the door open. This is very much, again, Conrad's Assassin's Creed strategy. We're all sneak... <laughs> around a little bit but eventually i'm i'm just killing every like i'm you know whatever uh, summon the summon the rest of my joms vikings because now it's a raid it's fine you know (laughs) moving moving from odyssey to (laughs) to valhalla here it's exciting yeah um so a gunfight breaks out and on the warehouse floor as Acne prepares to execute the addicts. Anderson takes out a forklift and ends up in a standoff with Acne, the criminal holding the pregnant woman hostage. Anderson can't risk a, risk a shot when suddenly a psychic force flies out of Miss Waters' stomach into Anderson's brain and then into the head of Acne, melting it, melting his head, Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's a sick panel. I like that one. Pretty solid. <laughs> just the, the, this eyeball gooping out the side of his face or out, out of his socket. Looks like a lot of his acne is like blown up and stuff like that. <laughs> pretty good. He's just gone full pizza the hut in the look of this thing. It's pretty excellent. 
Yeah. It looks like the kid used Anderson to channel its psychic power. And with uh, Acne dead, it's time for some wrap-up. Anderson does a scan and finds that the child has died in the in the woman's womb because it seems that Adam's seed can cause abnormal psychic abilities in the unborn and is potentially fatal to them as well. Anderson's got tough words for Verona as the addict cr- uh, cries her eyes out and the judges arrest various other perps. This is a super downer of a story. Jeez. Yeah. Pretty intense. Like, I the guess. The whole way, start to finish. It yeah, was just definitely. Like pulling at you. <laughs> a lot about addiction and also like terrifying mind babies and all this stuff. Just a bad time. Somehow, this feels more more of a downer than the story that was about um, Judge Cor- like one of Anderson's best friends committing suicide. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> a. It's a oh, oh, Jesus. I don't know. This is about. Like, the, like, because it's obviously a serious, like, you know, obviously addiction, serious topic. Woman loses a baby, extremely serious topic. Seems like a lot to go in for my science fiction shoot 'em up comic, I guess. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm laughing because it's just, it's, uh, I don't know what else to do. Like, it's because it, it's just, like, this is, it's just so much, you know. I mean, they got face melting for the kids. It's not without its moments. Like, I like the face melting. I actually really like the design for these goon robots. That Those are pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm. But all, but just a lot else going on that they could have done this in a different way. And I think it would have been great. But instead, it's just not that great. All right. So let's continue on. Here we go. We will be undaunted. I refuse to be daunted by this, by this downer thrill. So let's wrap things up with Thrill 8, Jubes in the Hood, Part 3. So Dred's a one-man riot crew. He's electrocuting these perps. He's got this giant tear gas gun that's got like huge like tear gas grenades hanging off the side of it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I guess stum gas, I should say. But it's, it, it reminds me a lot of that one in like Terminator Two, where he's just shooting people in the chest with the with the with the tear gas uh, launcher and stuff, which would probably kill you, for the record. But still, yes, better less better uh, uh, to not overanalyze whether or not the Terminator is actually killing people in Terminator Two, just by promising not to. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, some Jews are just walking into the electrified fence, of course. Um, whereas we see a bunch of, uh, where we see others take to the skies on, uh, bat glider wings, dropping grenades and stuff. And I know hang glider troops are some of Fox's favorites, so I might have to show them this. Um, <laughs> Rick Moranis block is on fire, and the Morans fight back by driving a, um, I guess it's not technically a danger fuel truck. It's a come on baby light my uh, fuel truck (laughs) into the BF Skinner block. Dredd tries to stop it and judicial reinforcements are on their way, but he, they, but they can't do it before the truck hits the block and explodes. After the explosion, the neighborhood quiets down as the judges arrive and basically come in and arrest an entire generation of Jews in the two blocks. <laughs> and then the two blocks themselves end up having to be demolished. Good times. 
fire and death all over as we see the Jews being driven away in giant like a hover um, arrest wagon shouting threats at each other. A beautiful ending. <laughs> Real. Yeah, Dredd says lock him up and throw away the key. And it's just, you know, just, I mean, I guess the Jews won, technically, because they definitely destroyed each other's blocks. And Dredd can only kind of do little things, but not really stop them. So an- maybe another downer. Fire and death all over Mega City 1. The times, of course, are very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But speaking of fire and death, I guess, um, this story ends... Or this prog ends with a note saying three billion people will die this summer in the pages of 2000 AD and the Judge Dredd magazine. Judgment Day is nigh, which is going to be this big mega epic spanning both issues and both podcasts. I'm very or um, both comics and both podcasts. I'm very excited for it. And we should be getting there in a couple weeks. Nice crossover content. Oh, yeah. Listen, worlds are colliding. You know, it's a cross, it's going to be a crossover between 2000 AD and the magazine, between Space Spinner and Big Mac One, and even between Judge Dredd and Johnny Alpha. Ooh, it's going to be exciting. All right. Yeah. That sounds, that does sound exciting. Definitely. Yeah. Stay tuned. Um, but for now, at least, I believe we've reached the end of this, the 1992 Judge Dredd Mega Special. Woohoo, we did it. All right, we survive again. <laughs> and thus, Zaid, I must know, what were your top and bottom thrills for this here mega special? Um, well, my top, I think, is pretty easy, is uh, Jews in the Hood. Is Nice. Uh, definitely my favorite. I started out slow, got a good crescendo going in part two, and just finished off real strong in part three. And I was mm-hmm. very satisfied with it. Uh, for the for the entirety, um, not a big fan of their face face designs being that they all look the same mm-hmm. facially. But I do like I, I just really like the uh, the artwork in general is actually really uh, enjoyable for just being like, yeah, we got a bunch of cronies we have to draw over and over again. What can we do to make them all look different? Mm-hmm. That, that worked out really well. Um, Parts, people, parts coming out of people's heads, different designs. Uh, yeah, it reminds actually both of these, bo- both sets of Jews really remind me of this of of the Judge Dredd mobile game, uh, the Crime Files, actually, which I think does a really good job of just sort of randomly generating different groups of like uh, uh, Mega City One perps and stuff like that. It kind of had that feel, I guess. Cool. <laughs> I haven't checked it out, but uh, it's maybe okay. I will after this. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was definitely a really good read. And to read it a second time now was uh, was good, too. <laughs> Still just as good as the first time, I think. Um, but I think for my bottom one, I'm going to pick Red Razors, um, the secret origin of That's Comrade fair. Ed. Yeah. It's, I, it started out with a good premise, but it just lost me as it kept going. I, I had no idea what was kind of going on. It was so wordy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I was just like, oh man, when's the, when's the built climax going to happen with this uh, lady and the horse? Cause they just kept teasing you through it like two yeah. or three times until and in the end that she just bam, hit, hit with a car. And that's it. Yeah. You're <gasps> and right. That's it. And I was just like, well, I'm glad it's done now. Wasn't, uh, did, didn't feel it at all. Did, did get surprised that the horse talked. I thought the horse was silent and she was just talking to the horse and it was going to turn out to not be him. <laughs> Ooh, that would have been a good one. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, 
now that you've said that, actually, that that I I I definitely see what you mean. There's so much buildup for just sort of for for them to I guess another Raiders of the Lost Ark thing to just kind of like just instantly solve the problem in a page, basically. Yeah, it's like, huh? So what's the story with the babe? Ed? Ah, nothing, man. Just an old flame. <laughs> All right. Yep. That we yeah. did the writers care about it too or was yeah, it just kind of like uh yeah, started yeah. off with a good idea and then it kind of they were like well how do we end it though <laughs> i don't know but that's then fair. Was, conrad mm. what 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 are your top and a uh, the bottom thrills oh man i think i'll join you with a uh, jubes in the hood as my top um i thought that was a pre- j- just a pretty fun like mega city one story i guess like literally i kind of like them only only uh, um sending like the 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 dregs the justice department to help dread because there hadn't been a problem yet you know that seems like a kind of a fun yeah. idea i de- i i definitely like the designs of the different gang members and stuff and i thought that was pretty fun like if i literally had one complaint it's just i wish that um both both sides have been slightly more like their uh, block namesakes, I guess. Like, I don't know. I would have liked it if, like, uh, if they were hanging out, like, if, like, they'd been hanging out at the Skinner Box or something. Like, if that was the name of the club they were at or something. Gotcha. <laughs> but I can't fault something for not having the dad jokes that I would love to have in the situation. You know, that's just a, <laughs> that's just an additional thing. You can't re- require it. So, yeah. And I yeah, and I just like the, the variety of the different uh, juves and things, and it was very, very silly, very again like Mega City One Citizen, which I'm always a huge fan of. It felt like a good, like a Judge Dread story to me when I read it. So yeah, I I agree. I think there were there, there were some hiccups. I agree, like in the art. I think also like 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 what you said. I definitely felt that way a lot, just sort of with the way Dread like Dread's posing and and stuff like that. They sort of I don't know. It's a weirdly baggy Dread almost. Like his clothes are loose on him sometimes, which is a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Dread posing, I was looking through this, and there's a shot of him shooting in the front of that big uh, uh, fuel truck at the driver, and he's just standing there with his hand at his side and his gun up, and it's just like he could be doing so much more. Yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> funny because there, yeah, this con- like. Like there are moments where Dredd has these really amazing dramatic poses in this story, like when he was running towards the uh, the electric fence that that I mentioned, or something like that. But also yeah. ones where it's because also there's limited backgrounds in a lot of these. There's times where it just kind of feels like they've just sort of color formed in a Dredd or something like that, like just sort of dropped in a random Dredd pose in in a situation, as opposed to I don't know him being dynamically posed in the in the moment or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I think ups and downs, but I like, I like Jeeves in the Hood pretty well. Uh, for my bottom, I'm going to say this Judge Anderson story. I didn't like it very much. Um, uh-huh. just seemed very like grim and dark, I think, in a way that, I don't know, I just wasn't really expecting and that really like, it was kind of unnecessary. Yeah, and it, yeah, it, exactly. It felt really gratuitous, I guess, or like the just, baby did not need to die. Yeah, hundred percent. Don't believe that should have happened. <laughs> like we, yeah, we didn't need this. Yeah, we didn't need this to end with Anderson standing over a crying woman who had just lost their child while in the depths of drug addiction. You know, yeah, that's real heavy for for what yeah. this comic is. You know, yeah. 
And I guess it's for the magazine, which is a little bit more adult and can and tries to be heavy and stuff. But I don't know. Like, it's just like... You could even change the drug addiction stuff, too, to something else. Like, uh, I mean, abuse is a topic that you could do that she could come in to save her. And the baby's trying to protect its mom. You know, I, I just... Yeah, I mean, I they're feel just... like they came up with an excuse to give the baby psychic powers. And it was yeah. drugs. And man, I would have loved if they'd, if they'd been like, all right, like, you know, we're, the baby survived, we're taking... And, and now we've just got a super baby hanging out in the background of Mega City 1. Like, that would be fun. Yeah, why but, not? Yeah, come on. You got... There's other super kids hanging around in the background there. We've all seen them. There right. was that There was that kid. There was that genius kid that um ended... That, that I canceled Christmas or whatever that's in the justice department now all this stuff but now nah, i guess instead we just gotta end this story with a crying woman and anderson looking sad I'm like okay i guess whatever um yeah so i'm down on that no thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah so i think that's it for this mega special zane thanks so much for coming on the show really appreciate it good to be here again Absolutely. We'll to do this again sometime. Hey, definitely. You know, we only like got a got maybe four more years of specials left. So we definitely gotta get in where we fit in here. And I hope everybody <laughs> else enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Big Meg Ones Big Big Meg One on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at BigMegOne.com. Feel free to contact us at BigMegOne at gmail.com in the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. For all those Check out Big Meg One, that's O-N-E written out, and you'll find us. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and a certain dude named Zane. And your friends at 2084. Hey, that's that guy. Oh, man. Here <laughs> on our show, if you'd, like we found to, him. <laughs> if you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's a podcast network. There you can support this show and receive a ton of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of Modern 2080 in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Hope you're enjoying the Patreon there, uh, Zane. It means a lot to me that you're supporting it, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you're doing it. Um, I I'm actually was just listening to your last Inquisition episode before we even started this uh, oh, earlier fantastic. today. So. If you want to hear these Space Spinner boys talk about mostly video games, but also other things, we're definitely there. Get these discussions. Um, And then, (laughs) if you're listening to this, come back next time as a new era and volume two of the Judge Dredd magazine begins. Judge Dredd heads to Texas, the bad man gets things started, the Soul Sisters are on the case, and Devlin Waugh is swimming in blood. Zane, where can we find you on the internet if you'd like to be found? Sorry, I forgot to say um, mention. Oh, uh, that's okay. I'm still running my Instagram of Gambare Anime Song, where I just post pictures of bad anime background characters. Fantastic. I haven't had a lot of luck lately because everything I've watched lately has been too good. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> nothing worth nothing worth posting. I could I could dig. I could I could really dig into some stuff, but sometimes I, f- I, I feel like am I am I being too critical? on this but no. i don't exactly have a huge following so like, it, it wouldn't matter to anybody but me <laughs> anime's got to get it together and get some more weirdos in the background that's what i say they're letting mm-hmm. down the market for people that are interested in background weirdos come I on know. 
I know. I have to send some send some letters. Strongly worded note. More yes. poorly drawn people in the background, please. All right. <laughs> <laughs> one stamp, one cent. <laughs> Thanks so much again. All right. And I think that's it for this one. Uh, we'll see you, ne- or I guess I'll see you next time on Big Meg One. And until then, I'm Conrad, Zane, and we are Big Meg One. Drop it. Drop it.